In today's episode, we have Tiomi. She is the founder of the Calgo Work- Workout. She is a celebrity intimacy coach and an intimacy coordinator. What does an intimacy coordinator mean? Because I know you went to film school. Yeah, so my intimacy coordinating training was actually separate from my film school training. Um, I am a certified intimacy coordinator through IDC Professionals. And this job is basically, um, I act as a liaison between the actors and production whenever there are scenes of hyper exposure, aka nudity, or simulated sex scenes for film and television productions. And this is a fairly new a fairly new position in Hollywood. Prior to this, intimacy directors have always existed for the stage. But in 2016, when like the Me Too movement and Time's Up movements kind of got like legs under them and people started coming out about abuse that they were experiencing on film sets, SAG-OFTRA decided to um, recommend that intimacy coordinators are used on set So that way the actor's boundaries are maintained and sets where, you know, intimacy and nudity are present are operating within consensual boundaries. So it's a great job to have. Um, Depending on the project, sometimes my job's easy, sometimes it's a little more involved, but I love it because it marries my love for film with my job as a sexual health coach and um, an intimacy movement specialist. So I I love it. I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. There's no way I'm not doing this job. <laughs> it's beautiful to know how two and two can come together. Who would have known that there would be roles like this, like where you can combine both passions and make it into one. Tiomi, I actually listened to a few of your episodes and today I listened to one. So I thought, let me just kind of ask a free questions about it and then we like go into our episodes so this episode girl went into so i've i lost the page of the notes so you basically i'm literally butchering it up but basically you was coming out of the bathroom and then you had a a is it a white small man so you have a fetish for smaller men right (laughs) (laughs) i have a fetish for picking up Yes, picking up and carrying small people. Um, it just so happens that a lot of times it's more so like men, smaller men that will approach me. And yeah, I was I was at the Sundance Film Festival and it was after hours. So we all were partying and stuff like that. And I went to the bathroom and I'm walking out and I had like this big afro. So this guy, he's looking up at me. He's like, oh my God, I love your hair. Can I touch it? And I was like, no. But he's like, can I give you a hug? I was like, sure. And then his friend was with him and he was like, you know what he would like even better? He would like if you picked him up. I was like, what? And now this guy was like five, six, five, seven, little like older white guy. And I was like, I would love to pick you up. (laughs) And then he got really excited. He was just like, wait a minute, let's go to my store and, and do this properly. And so we go up to his store, which is right above where the bathroom was, and it's a fur and leather shop. I go in there, and there's chinchilla furs and fox furs and all these beautiful furs, and I lose my mind because I'm a fur, I'm a fur fan. I mean, sorry, Peta, but like I like fur. And I start trying on all these coats and stuff, and then we like took some shots, and then we got into this wrestling session, and it kind of went left a little bit just because he bit me a few times and I told him, don't bite me. 
And the third time he bit me, I just put him like in this move where I just like sat on him and he was just like contorted and turning beet red. And I just sat there with his face like, I told you not to bite me. So this is what you get. Why did he bite you? Was it like a fetish or like no. was he into that? I think that he bit me because he was in a position he could not get out of. And so he knew the only way that he could get out of it was to bite me. And granted, you know, we were doing this kind of inebriated. So like beforehand, we should have negotiated more around like, you know, signals that he can use to safe get out word? of it. Well, he couldn't use a safe word because in some oh, he speak. his face, yeah, his face was like completely smothered. So... <laughs> <laughs> but eventually like he just like tapped the ground and then I let him out of this this position and then he just started crying and I was like oh and he was like oh my god thank you so much I needed this I can't believe like you just I don't know where you came from but thank you and I was like wow this this was very healing for this man because he was going through a divorce and having a rough time and like this was something that brought him immense pleasure and comfort so even though um it was, you know, wrestling and like physical impact. This was a healing thing. And I always tell people like, you don't really know how kink and BDSM will impact somebody. But for most people who are in the space, like it could be a very healing experience. Because you even at one point, did you like wrap him around your waist like a belt? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. Because he was so, he was like a small, thin man. So I was able to like pick him up very easily. He probably weighed a buck 50, maybe. Like, and so I was able to like just put him around my back and have his legs right here and then like my arm, my, um, this arm underneath his arms and just held him like that for a second. And <laughs> he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And I was just like, I'm getting my whole life. <laughs> and then, and then also you even like at one point put him on your hip. Yeah, like that's how I usually start, right? I'll um, pick I'll pick them up first, like cradle, or I'll pick them up and just have them hop on my hip, and then I can transition their body around my back and then just hold. I or I can put them over my shoulder, or I can put them on my back fully. So it just depends on like I don't I don't want to wrestle somebody that's like five, six and they're two hundred pounds. Not doing that. But it's like five, six and under and under 170 pounds i'm gonna do it <laughs> we, we can do we can work with that yes and and then another point i heard was you mentioned your girl Gigi, and then is it vaginal cleansing with a cucumber <laughs> yes so Gigi, she has a business called i am living Align, and she's an astrologer but also she was a microbiologist at one point and um she did research around cleansing the vagina and like in ancient China and Egypt, they would use this method with a peeled cucumber because cucumbers are primarily water and like silica. So they would use this cucumber to just cleanse the vagina and like rejuvenate the tissues and stuff. And so she has a YouTube channel, not, not YouTube channel, a YouTube video where she talks about this and she goes through the method of how to do it. And she's taught the class a few times at the Exotica Expo. And I've even tried it myself. And I will say that it's quite refreshing. I mean, think about like when you use cucumbers, like on your eyes, like how, how your face feels after yeah. you've taken the mask off, it just feels like refreshing. Your skin feels plump and the skin or the cells inside of the vagina are also epithelial cells or skin cells. So, 
it would have the same effect on the vagina, just like that plumpness and just like that fresh feeling. So yeah, and it's super, it's super simple to do and inexpensive, definitely less expensive than like doing a, um, a Yoni steam or a hip bath. I mean, cucumbers cost what, like 89 cents or whatever. And using an organic cucumber is highly suggested. I love it. Tell me, tell me about your journey. How did you, what was you doing before you studied Tantra? Well, before I started uh, Tantra professionally, I was already um, doing sex coaching and intimacy coaching for single people, for couples, and running my YouTube channel and my blog site, Glamorotica 101. And, um, also touring with the Cowgirl Workout. So I started touring with the Cowgirl Workout in 2016. I created my first tutorials on YouTube uh, the end of 2014, 2015. And um, yeah, like writing for different publications. So being a contributing writer for sexual health articles and just creating these public forms of discourse around sexual health on social media. So on Twitter, very heavy. And then, you know, posting on, 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 um, Instagram. So a lot of work that I was doing a lot prior a lot. to yeah. Tantra, which I started my Tantra training in January, 2018. And I graduated November, 2018. And I was able to add that on top of all the other things that I'm already doing in the sexual health space. So I like to say that I'm a multi-hyphenate in the sexual health space because I do so many things and wear so many hats as a coach and practitioner. That is so beautiful. In today's episode, we will be talking about how to ride stroke one-on-one and speed to rhythm. Tiomi, how can we make it work with penis size? Because we have different lengths and different girths, right? Yep. Yep. So the one thing I always tell people is that just because riding exists, so we're going to talk about riding first and then stroke because, um, so riding being a person with a vagina, um, and you can ride too with an anus, but I don't teach anal riding because that's not something that I've mastered. I'm only going to teach what I've mastered. I'll make mention and say, yes, you can use these same kinds of moves with the anus, but I don't teach it. So with riding a person with a vagina, um, is the one that's doing the stroking. And then with stroke, it's the person with the penis that's doing the stroking. So they're the top, right? So when it comes to riding, I always tell my clients, like, just because this is a thing that you can do doesn't necessarily mean that this is something that you have to do with a partner. So let's talk about smaller sizes first. The thing about shorter penises, and I, when I say shorter, I mean like four inches and below, is that that's going to be very shallow penetration. And if the penis is not fully erect and like really hard, then it's going to continue to slip out of the vagina. So riding smaller or, or shorter penises really means like you're going to use less, less movement. You're not going to be doing a lot of bouncing or like high stroking. It's going to be very close to the body. They're going to be short movements and it's going to be more of a grind than it is um, an actual like full on stroke. So for the women out there, the vagina owning people out there that get on top and they scoot, <laughs> that, that will actually produce some form of pleasure for people with shorter penises. What well, scoots? Um, a scoot. Like, you know, you get on top and just like do the scoot, but you're not oh, really like, doing anything. You go like that? 
Yeah, so I always tell, so I have this hashtag, hashtag boot the scoot. Okay. Because a lot of times when women get on top, they sit directly on the penis and it's all the way like near the cervix and then they just move their hips back and forth, but they're not actually stroking. Like, and then they're moving this person's entire body instead of actually stroking the penis itself. And so for shorter penises, a scoot, a scoot might be okay. Like I give a scoot a consolation prize, but it's not a stroke, right? So shorter penises, a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't really want to ride it because it's small, but you don't even have to necessarily have a uh, vaginal penetration with shorter penises. Like if you have a bigger booty, your butt cheeks could literally stroke, stroke it. If you have thicker thighs, you can just put it between the thighs and just grind in and like scoop and it's still going to feel pleasurable. Now, when it comes to average size, five, five to seven, there's a little more space that has to be created between the pelvis in order to get a proper stroke. Because with a stroke, you want to feel a glide, the glide on and off the penis. Now, the, like, the longer the penis is, the more space you want to create. But you only need one to three inches of space between pelvises. So now when it comes to girth, girth is... Um, a little more different so so for the I, people that may not know girth is the width the width the thickness and length is how long right now i think a lot of times penis owning people they care more about the length than the width but it makes from, a difference honestly it, width makes such a difference because i remember like just being with someone and he had the length but he didn't have the the and i'm like Dumb, like <laughs> <laughs> you know why because the girth actually places pressure on the vaginal walls right and remember the vagina is a canal with a lumen or a space in it so there is a circumference so if there's more girth you're going to feel more pressure on the vaginal walls and also on the internal clitoris length is going to be able to reach the cervix in those deeper erogenous zones but if it's not applying pressure, then it's not going to feel as pleasurable because the vagina is pressure sensitive. So the more pressure, the more sensations people will typically feel. And the thing about it is before getting on top, as a vagina only person, you want to make sure that you're completely aroused where the vagina's opened up and it's relaxed and it's receded back towards the cervix because at its resting state, the vagina is like three to four inches long. And it can extend a lot longer when arousal is deepened. So the reason why I say that is because if somebody has more girth to their penis, you want to make sure that you can really take it in. And so you want to ease it in inch by inch. So you don't have to try to like sit on the whole thing to make it work. You can just start with the tip and inch your way down the shaft. So, um, and one of the things that I think a lot of people kind of forget or don't even realize is that when you are riding on top and you are the vagina only person, you have to create space between bodies, which means being able to leverage your weight and leveraging your weight requires core strength, hamstring and quadricep strength. And also your hip flexors and abductors are going to be engaged as well. This is why I created a workout for this particular style of intimate movement, because all of these muscle groups, if they're not strengthened, 
If you're not used to moving them and engaging them in this particular way, you're going to feel your legs burning. You're going to tap out early. Like it's, it's not going to be a comfortable feeling. So if you train, you can build up the stamina for that. Now with stroking, it's from the, the penis only person's perspective, it's pretty much the same, but just a little different because yes, you still want to create space between the bodies. And one thing that I've noticed about like men is they want to go straight to the cervix. They forget that there's all these juicy erogenous zones within the first three inches of the vagina. So you want to start shallow and then inch in to go deeper. Because if you start shallow, number one, you're going to encourage lubrication because the Bartholin's glands are right at the opening of the vagina or the introitus. And those glands, all they do is lubricate. So you start just with the tip and you inch your way in. These are going to get really juicy. These are going to open up and blossom. And it's almost like asking for permission from the vagina. The head is just knocking like, hello, is it okay to come in? And then if it wants you in, it's going to just pull you in deeper and deeper. So you just want to start shallow and then go deep. But also slow the stroke down. These jackrabbit strokes don't feel good out the gate. Some people really enjoy them, but you don't want that to be your starting point. Slow strokes, slow, stro slow short strokes. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Slow, short strokes to start. Then you can do medium speed, medium, um, medium speed, medium length strokes. And then you can go to longer deeper strokes and speed it up with the permission of your partner. So all strokes, no matter if it's a vagina only person or a penis only person doing it, everything originates from the pelvis. So you want to be able to have pelvic isolation in order to power through the stroke instead of putting your entire body into it. Because when the entire body powers the stroke, it can be a little too forceful and Forceful strokes can cause damage. If a, if a vagina person, vagina only person is doing the stroking and you're putting too much power behind it or you're creating too much space and you're slamming your body down, you might cause a penile fracture. And, and a lot of men, they're not going to like admit when they're feeling pain because they're like, well, it just comes with the territory. It's just a part of this. And it's like, no, sex should not be painful. And then a penis only person that's going too hard, you can cause um, fallopian tubes to twist up, um, ruptures of ovarian cysts if they are present, pelvic pain, cervical bruising. There's all types of things, even tilting the entire uterus that can happen. So you just want to be mindful of the power and the force you're putting behind your strokes. Stroking from the pelvis allows you to stroke with like a lighter, a lighter, um, velocity, and then you can intensify it over time. But the stroke is literally the, the bread and butter of penetrative sex. Knowing how to stroke is going to help you deliver pleasure and experience more pleasure with partner sex. Thank you so much for that explanation. Tell me if you had to pick between length and girth, which one would you pick? I'm going to choose girth every time because like, 
again, the pressure on the vaginal walls. Like if you have an average, like, like five inches with like three inches of girth, three to four inches of girth, that's a I nice don't really know. Chubby. I don't, I don't really know. Like uh, that's, that's okay. like, it's like that. That's chubby. That's a nice chubby one. So, and, and again, like the vagina on average is like three to four inches at resting state, five to six when it's elongated. And some vaginas can stretch to fit even more. So personally, I like to say I have like Mrs. Elastic down there. So she stretches, but the girth is the girth for me. Like I, I would rather have girth than length any day. I love that. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, tell me how important is the tailbone in writing? So I always tell my clients, like, you want to focus because, again, it's all about pelvic movement, isolation, and the very end of the spine hinges. So knowing how to move and operate that part of the spine and um, engage the muscles around it, that's what's going to give you that hip isolation to be able to stroke. So it's really important to be able to know how to do that. Now, some people might have um, experienced pelvic injury where their uh, lower lumbar region has been impacted. And so I, I work with a lot of people who have like arthritis or tendonitis or um, tarsal tunnel or other conditions where their mobility has been limited. So I've come up with exercises that can help them to move through these things without placing so much pressure on their lower backs and placing too much tension in this area. Um, I had a, a client who shattered her pelvis when she was like 19. And then she had two vaginal births that were kind of like, kind of complicated. So she was very stiff in her hips. And I applied my ball method to, to her. And I had her practicing this ball method like twice a day, for a few weeks, but like within the first five days, she had like a 50% improvement in her mobility, which was amazing. So I, you know, um, I'm not just teaching choreography. I'm really teaching exercises to help build up the muscles, build up core strength, and also build up confidence in how to move the body intimately when on top. That is so beautiful to see those results coming from like a like a client, like a testimony. Um, when it comes to having a conversation with your partner, with whoever, your boyfriend, friend with benefits, and because we don't take that time, straight away we, we right. just want to go in, right? We don't take the time. Why don't you put your penis and play with my clit at the same time before you go in? Like, why don't you just, when do you think we should say that? when we're in the moment outside of the bedroom while we're sexting <laughs> like because it's like then they're gonna be like wait what like i just want to like yeah because they're so used to rushing right and so i like to say sex you should be talking about sex often with your partner as often as possible so whether it's through uh you know sending a text message or sexting or just making casual mention of it while you're eating lunch or dinner um and even right before the clothes come off, right before you start the intimacy, you can negotiate, you know, negotiation is really big in BDSM and kink, but even in just like straight vanilla, um, penetrative sex negotiation can still occur, which was, is very healthy. And then even while you're in the act, 
being able to communicate and give feedback around what you want to experience differently or what you want to experience more of is really important. So there isn't any one particular time that we should be communicating. We should be communicating throughout all of it. So that way, these things are on the forefront of our mind and these are constant reminders because you know how it is. Like when all the blood starts rushing to their penis, like men just kind of go dumb a little bit. So you have to, <laughs> you have to remind them to be present, to be present within their own bodies, but then also present with you and communicate what you need. So that way they can take the instruction and they can apply it to make sex the best possible for everybody involved. I love that. That is so beautiful because sometimes you would like things one certain way, but then he has no idea, but it's like, yep. we, we never even told him anyway. So maybe if we told him, maybe he would be doing that in the first place. Um, readers they cannot read our minds you have to tell them what you like how you like it how to do it and even sometimes being willing to take control and taking control even if you're like a pillow princess or you're a person that just wants to like just receive that's fine but knowing how to adjust your body or adjust their body because sometimes communication is nonverbal. you might not want to use your voice so if you don't feel comfortable with using your voice or if you simply can't because you're in a particular position then just communicate by moving your body or moving their hands or like showing them how to do something. Knowing how to take control in that way will give you exactly what you want. So that way you're not just sitting there receiving something that, that feels uncomfortable and then you feel resentment later. Exactly. And and just the example that Tiomi gave, take his hand, take his hand. If you want your nipples played with, put it on the nipple. If you want your clip played with, yes. Put it down there so he can start stroking you. If you want, if you like anal play, whatever, then just guide him. If, you, if you're if you kind of shy about using your voice, just do it that way. Actions speak yes. louder than words. Um, Tiomi, tell me about, um, we always hear about G-spot, but we don't hear about the A-spot. Oh my gosh. So the A-spot, I think it doesn't get as much play because it's up near the cervix. It's like a little pocket so the cervix is the tail end of the uterus and it dips down into the vagina and the cervix is the, the, I guess you can say demarcation point of the ending of the vagina and the beginning of the uterus. So right around the, um, the cervix on both the backside and the front side are erogenous zones and the A spot stands for anterior fornix erogenous zone. So anterior meaning front. That spot feels so amazing when it's stimulated because there's some juicy nerve endings up there and they just create these like silky, super wet and like gentle orgasms. And you can reach this spot by um, being in missionary position or even in doggy style, but aiming the penis or aiming the stroke for the front side of the vagina. And you don't need a lot of like forceful penetration for this. You can do slow, deep pressing strokes into that spot. And it's going to feel amazing for both partners because it's um, the area physically feels silky. So both, both partners are going to feel it when it's activated. And I like like the A spot if you're not yet ready for the sex to end, don't have your partner go there yet because they might lose it and they, 
they might lose it and then the sex going to be done. Um, and you might still feel really aroused and want more penetration, but they just can't because they have to go through their refractory period of like recouping and getting their energy back and getting their wind back. And then you're going to have a round two, but the a spot so underrated, but it is a juicy erogenous zone. And again, it's just stroking towards the front wall, but stroking deep near the cervix. That's where you're going to find it. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And then I also, in your previous interview, I heard about, I don't even know how to say it. Yab dum, the position. Yab yum. Yes. I was close. Yeah, you were, you were very close. So yab yum is a, it's a tantric yoga position that couples can sit in to cultivate closeness um, and connection either before before penetrative sex or even during penetrative sex. And um, this position is also called a lotus. So the penis owning partner is on the bottom or the less, or the, um, the receiving partner, if you're in a coupling that is not with a penis owning person, but um, that person's on the bottom and then the, the vulva or vagina owner is on top. And the legs are folded underneath the person on top and the person on top, their legs are behind. And this aligns all of the chakras and it makes it easy for both people to be able to eye gaze and connect foreheads. And then you sink your breath together. And then in sinking your breath, you become on the same wavelength. And then from there, you can kiss, you can caress, you can show each other love by, by saying appreciations or things you appreciate about each other to each other. And when in penetrative uh, sex, this position is meant to be like a nice, slow, like stroke and grind between each other, not like heavy acrobatics. It's meant to be close and deep. And it's the most amazing feeling. The only thing though for Yab Yum is um, height definitely matters. So- oh. If you, let's say you're in a, a situation where the guy is shorter than the woman. Well, now you're going to have to make some adjustments to this positioning. Pillows? Just be, yes, you can use pillows. And even if you can't sit directly on top of this person's lap, you want to be able to, again, like be at the same eye level. So with that, you just got to make adjustments around, um, around height. And I would practice, I would practice it non-sexually before trying to practice it sexually. So that way you can get the fit right. I love that. Thank you so much. How important is movement and breathing? <sighs> so think about this, right? Just think about walking up a flight of stairs. I'm being if you walk, right? If you walk up a flight of stairs, typically you're going to be out of breath, especially if you're holding your breath or you're taking very short breaths into the chest. So by the time you get up there, you're going to be heaving. It's going to take you a moment to like catch your wind. Well, if you were to take slow, deep breaths while walking up the stairs, right? You're going to be able to get up the stairs quicker. And then when you get to the top, you're not going to be winded, which means that you can proceed forward with wherever you're going. So whenever we are in motion, if we know how to breathe with the motion, it's going to increase our stamina, meaning we can, we can employ that movement for a longer amount of time. 
So one thing that I teach in the cowgirl workout and even in my stroke training for people with penises is how to breathe through movement. And what I teach is how to tap into the parasympathetic nervous system and activate rest and digest while in movement. Because let's be clear here, exercising does not feel good. Like in the moment, no one really likes that feeling. However, if you can put your body in a relaxed state through your breath while you move, then your body's like, okay, I'm getting more oxygen. Okay, my we're not in an anxious state, but we are moving. So let's just keep this going. And that's how stamina is built. So a person can go from like only being able to last 30 to 45 seconds on top to then three minutes through knowing how to breathe through movement. So it's really important to know how to do that. And that's something that I teach very successfully. And it's a game changer as well, because if you're just there for 45 minutes and then you're able to now sustain it for what a game changer, it's like a whole different world. Oh yeah. And I always tell my clients too, I'm like, you don't have to be up there for 15 minutes to an hour. I'm teaching you how to go the distance if you want, but I'm also teaching you how to snatch a soul in three minutes. Like that's my selling point is like, I can teach you how to snatch a soul in three minutes. Here's how. Actually, that should be my a tagline for a reel. <laughs> I'm using that for a reel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tiomi, having your partner stroke from the bottom while we're on top. Okay. So this is such an interesting thing because I always tell my clients, like, look, sometimes the reason why you're not getting the rhythm with riding is because your partner is just laying there like a dead fish. Like they're just laying there like they're on vacation. This is not a vacation and this is not a break for you. You're just on the bottom and you're receiving instead of delivering. So if, if they can stroke from the bottom, it makes it easier to catch the dick. <laughs> it makes it easier to catch it and to be able to stroke it. So that's the thing. When partners are in penetrative sex, the goal of successful stroking is to meet your partner's stroke. So if they can press their hips up so that then when you come down, you're meeting in the middle, then that's going to, that's going to create a more successful ride and you can keep the rhythm. And so now both partners are, are active in the play instead of it just being one active member who's doing all the work. And so I always encourage my clients. I'm like, Ask them to stroke from the bottom. And if they're not going to stroke from the bottom, then at least ask them to raise their hips up or tilt their hips up. So that way it creates a better angle for you to stroke. Beautiful. Say so if an individual, when it comes to body size, how can they leverage so that he can be able to stroke from the bottom where like hands or how? Because sometimes if we don't have the man tell us, hey, babes all your weights on me sometimes yes. <laughs> I, I, i'm petite i'm tiny so I, like you know but say for the girl that's like the man's just able to take it and he's he's not voicing like hey honey like you're on me how can she know where should she put her hands like like just by the side of the bed just where his shoulders are or how can we navigate so that he can then able stroke to he how oh my god my english how can he then be able to stroke from the bottom and know how she can leverage to help out so one of the easiest things is for him to bend his knees so his feet are flat the knees are bent and it creates like a little ramp so then 
um, automatically what's going to happen is she's going to move forward. So that takes some of the weight off of his pelvis. Now, when she shifts forward, hands can be a few different places. Hands can be on the chest. And again, this all depends on your partner's height and also the length of your arms too, right? So hands can be on the chest or on the shoulders or right above the shoulders or underneath the armpits or... Um, you can meet up top where he can hold your hands or hands on the headboard. So there's so many different ways to do it. It just depends on level of comfort. And then the way that the feet are positioned. So there's also like if you ride on your feet instead of riding with the knees um, bent and the feet tucked under, that can also take some of the weight off. But one thing that I've noticed, and I haven't said this before, but it's something that I've observed recently, is that for petite and shorter women, riding on the feet is going to be a lot easier than those that have thicker thighs and longer legs and are taller. So it's always good to experiment with it. Um, but when it comes to those positions in bed, like riding on the feet doesn't really work well for people of certain weight and height height classes, right? And so, like I said, you just need to create one to three inches of space between the pelvis. Now, another part of leveraging the weight is what the thighs are doing. So the thighs are also being impacted by the, by the uh, sides of your partner's body. So being able to kind of like squeeze slightly, not too tight, <laughs> but being able to squeeze tightly and then where the feet are positioned. If the toes are pointed towards each other and tucked underneath um, your partner's legs, or if you're petite, you could put them inside of your partner's legs, then that takes some of the weight off too. So it's a matter of experimenting to see what's going to work. And each partner is going to be different based on their penis size and penis shape, and also the size of their belly and their overall body size in general, because the wider and larger a man the more hyper-extended. Yeah, like if if a man has a larger body, then the legs are going to be like hyper-extended, right? So if, if the hip flexors are stretched too much, then you're not going to have as much mobility to be able to get a good stroke in. So I like to say for larger men, it's probably better if they don't, if they don't have like a super huge belly. On the side? Probably, yeah, from the side or... Um, have them sit up like in a slight recline at the headboard. So that way you can really like get in there and it's not going to be um, as hyper extended. The legs are not going to be as hyper extended. So there's a real science to this. Like I, I tell people, some people like naturally have the gift of just knowing how to get up there and do their thing. But I've been teaching this for, right, for eight years and there are more women who have trouble with this position than not. And it's because of all these different variations that could be present when even trying to ride. Yeah, no, but I love that position that you said, like, if you're with a bigger man, like, you never think of it, but if he's in that position, it's so easy, you already know where to sit, so you don't really have yep. to, like, second guess it, you already know, okay, this is the area that I'm working with, and this is what we're doing. Um, views on shower sex? 
Oh, so okay. Sharon I'm said, scared. "Like I'm like, like I, I'm like hell no. Are you thinking of carrying me here? And what happens if you no. slip and we like I break my head? Like I, I, I just it's nice, but I can't relax. I'm tense because just the idea yeah. of just slipping. I'm like no. So that's a very valid fear, and that was the first thing that I was going to do was give a disclaimer." Because shower sex can be dangerous, especially if you have a tub um, or a floor of a shower that doesn't have grit to it, right? Where it could create some friction. Because as soon as you add in suds and, and soap, it's going to get very slippery. And then if you don't have anything to hold on to, you know, if you try to grab the shower curtain, the shower curtain might come down and then it's a whole nasty ass mess, right? Inside of this bathroom. So if you're going to participate in shower sex, you want to have like something to hold on to. They have these handles that have suction cups on the back of them. You can literally stick them onto the wall and then that can be something to hold on to. Also making sure that there there's grip on your feet. So this might be extra, but like if you don't have those little things to put on the bottom of your, your tub or like to put on the floor of your shower, then you can get like some swim, the swim shoes. <laughs> like if you're trying to make an Olympic sport out of it, get the swim shoes and do that. And then too, if your shower is big enough, right, you can get like one of those little chairs for the shower, like one of those like little bamboo chairs to use to like put one leg up you know, or to even sit your partner on it. I would say the easiest form of sex in the shower is fellatio. Because What's you're that? not fellatio, sucking dicks. That's fellatio. Oh. <laughs> That's the formal term of, of, of dick sucking. Um, but yeah, oral sex in the shower is so much easier than trying to stroke because then remember you're standing. Now, if partners have a difference in height, even in a difference in where the pelvis is sit, then trying to find the right position to get that stroke in is going to be a challenge. And again, with all that water and the suds and stuff, there's a tendency or a, there, there is the potential to fall. So just be careful. Um, also, if you are going to be giving head in the shower, be careful not to drown. Like, Make sure the stream of water is not falling on your face while you're down there because you don't want to choke. Make sure that the water is at the, is like falling on your back and not the head. So just if you, as long as you can remember those things and take those precautions, shower sets can be really fun, like very fun. Shower sex versus jacuzzi. What do you prefer? I'm jacuzzi say, is very hot. That's the only thing. The jacuzzi can be extremely hot to the point where you're just like, ah. The jacuzzi can be very hot, but also the chemicals in the jacuzzi tub can like cause dryness and, and even like a disturbance in the pH balance. So while you're in it, it might feel good and be fun. But then when you get out, it's going to be a whole different story. And the thing too about having sex in water, like submerged in water the natural lubrication, like the silkiness, that is like washed away. So then like penetration can start to feel rubbery because it's just like water instead of like silkiness, right? So I think that it's fun in theory, right? And 
you know, try it and see how it works for you. But those, again, are just some of the things that can occur if you decide to like have sex in submerged water. I would prefer shower sex over jacuzzi sex because with shower sex, um, yes, water is present, but you're not submerged. And it's fresh water. It's not like it's filled with like chlorine and the other chemicals that keep the water in the jacuzzi um, um, sanitized. Tell me, yoni gazing, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I think that yoni gazing is a practice that more uh, vagina and vulva owners should do because we're so programmed to, to think about vaginas and vulvas in one way because of porn. And we will, we can tend to judge ourselves against that. And so if we don't match the images that we're seeing on the screen, then we feel like there is something wrong with us, but that's entirely false because everyone's vulva is going to look different. So if you can take the time to take a hand mirror and just look at your vulva a few times a week, it can just be for five minutes, right? And not only just look at it, but show appreciation, give love, say beautiful things about your vulva. So that way it intensifies and increases your, your vulva confidence. And then when you make these observances, you'll see like, oh, well, this vulva over here on this woman on this video looks like this, but mine looks like this, right? Then you will start to see like there's no reason to even compare yourself because Yours is going to look completely different than the next. So I highly suggest it because like there are women who have had multiple babies who don't even know what their vulvas look like. And I'm like, how, how is that even possible? So get a hand mirror and you can even decorate your hand mirror and make mm. it look really cute. And this is your Yoni gazing yeah. mirror. And it's only for that purpose. Like that turns it into a sacred ceremony for yourself. Um, that does more than just like give you an idea of what it looks like. Now this becomes a connecting practice with your yoni. That is beautiful, girl. Tell me, if you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? <laughs> it would say, have more orgasms. Join the tribe, thecowgirlworkout.com. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And what is your favorite book? Oh, my God. Um, wow. Let me see. My One of my favorite books is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, it's just a beautiful story just about being the creator of your own experience and the way that the story is told is very beautiful. I've read it two times, um, but just the two times that I've read it, I've gleaned so much information from it. Um, and then I will say like the second book of the Bible. So I grew up in a uh, Baptist Christian and the Bible has so many amazing, just like pieces of advice for universal principles and universal truth that I think like, even if you're not a Christian, if you know how to decipher what's being said in it, you can still receive so much benefit from what's being said there. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, out of all the courses you've taken, which one would you recommend to a friend? 
Ooh, I mean, I'm always recommending Authentic Tantra to everyone because of just how it's impacted my life. Because Tantra is meant to be woven into your everyday practice. And so you learn how to breathe. You learn how to practice mindfulness and sitting in meditation. You learn how to connect with your body, but you also learn how to connect with the world around you through your five senses. And so connection is the basis of Tantra. And any Anyone who has like experienced trauma, anyone who feels like they're disconnected from their body, anyone who wants to be able to connect more deeply with partners, this is the one thing that I always recommend because it's holistic in nature. So it works with the somatic body, the physical body, and also the relative body, which is the energy body. So it's a holistic practice and it's the one that I think everybody should be taking. Where did you study yours? I studied at the Institute of Authentic Tantra Education, founded by Davy Ward Erickson. And um, it's amazing. You can go to AuthenticTantra.com and find out more about the Institute. Beautiful. And what is your favorite toy? Do you have a toy that you like gravitate to? Listen, any suction toy, hands down. Okay. The Satisfier Pro 2 is my favorite because it... It has that pulsating suction action, but then the head of it also vibrates. So it's two sensations in one. It's super sleek and sexy. It's like a velvety filling uh, silicone. It's body safe silicone. It's easy to clean. It's pretty much waterproof. So you can take it in the shower. You can take it inside of the bathtub. I mean, yeah. And then the rose is a close second because the rose is also waterproof and submergible and easy to clean, easy to recharge. Well, I would say the rose isn't as easy to clean as the Satisfier Pro 2 because the, the folds inside of the petals at the top. So you really need to make sure like you have a toothbrush just to like get in there with your cleanser. So that way it's 100% clean and then you can like go for it and use it. But yeah, like any, any suction toy is going to be hands down my favorite because it gives me... It gives me the sensation I need. Isn't the size tricky, like, to be able to position it? Not for me. I mean, I have a sizable clitoris, so <laughs> it's not it's not hard for me to find it. Okay, I get you. I get you. Tiomi, tell me about the cowgirl workout. When are you coming back on tour? So I will be back on tour in 2024. I didn't get a chance to make it to London um, this year, but London is on my books for 2024. And the Cowgirl Workout is the only intimate, intimate movement fitness program designed to help women improve on top and beyond. And in this program, we not only build strength so that you can last on top more, but also stamina and flexibility and body wisdom. So one of the reasons why so many of us feel awkward in our bodies and our movements is because the mind to body connection is off. So I help to turn that back on by reminding my clients to be mindful in their movement and everything that we do, like we work out to a lot of like R and B and like slow jams, but we mix it up sometimes and we'll exercise to like bad bunny or like Afro beats or just like different styles of music, but everything is pretty much low impact. We use our own body weight and we exercise barefoot because with doing that, we build up the strength in the ankles and in the feet. 
which is great because when you do go into riding, your feet have to be flexed a certain way in order to get into the position where you're the closest to the pelvis. So I have a few different forms of this workout, a flexibility class where we just stretch and all the stretches that we do, they are designed to help with to treat lower back pain and stiff hips. We also do strength training where we build up the muscles in the quadriceps and the hamstrings and around the knees and also in the lower back and the glutes and the core to help with support. And then I teach how to breathe, which is going to increase stamina. Um, we do a ball workout, which is great for people who have had pelvic injuries or knee injuries and they don't want to necessarily be on the floor primarily. The ball is going to be great for that. And then we do a chair exercise. And I love the chair because you can ride in a chair. And so it gives you something to stroke towards. The same with the ball. The ball gives you something that's going to bounce back. So then when you stroke, it's like meeting your stroke. Um, and so we also do mat where we just work on the floor. And with mat, I always encourage my clients to use either pillows for their knees or knee pads because we want to protect the knees. And think about it, right? When you're riding, most of the time, it's going to be in the bed and the mattress is cushioned. So if we practice with pillows underneath our knees, it's going to give us that same kind of sensation as if we're practicing in the bed. So I'm always encouraging my clients, ice your knees, use Tiger Balm or CBD cream or Bengay or BioFreeze, whatever you need for your knees. Do soaks if you have a bathtub to soak in. Use a foam roller to recover, to get the knots out because we're actually working out. And just like the level of confidence that my clients receive from this, not just in the bedroom, but beyond the bedroom, how it impacts their lifestyle is amazing. And like I said, I've been doing this for eight years. I just went to Kenya and I had, I hosted two classes. Yep, I had two classes in Kenya, which was amazing. So next year I'm planning to return to Kenya, but also Nigeria, Ghana, South Africa, and Tanzania. Amazing! Wow, you're doing oh my gosh, Africa. I can't wait to go to Africa. I think it will just steal my heart. It will. I'm so in love. I eventually will live there at some point in time. Which country? I'm not sure yet, but you know, I'm making my rounds. But yeah, I'm gonna be doing a domestic tour and an international tour. That includes the Cowgirl Workout and my other series, Cocktails and Condoms, which is a panel, a panel style event that incorporates education and play and performances. So it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a vibe. Super excited about it. Um, the Cowgirl Workout, I do in-person classes, but I teach primarily online in my digital community. So if you are interested, you can go to thecowgirlworkout.com or members.thecowgirlworkout.com. And there are two options for you. You can join our quickies track, which are 20 minute workouts that get you in and out, or you can go all in and you can join and you can access every single last thing that is available on the site in the tribe. We have 60-minute workouts, 20-minute workouts, modified workouts. We also have a pleasure area where I write articles about how to increase your pleasure. Nice. A sister circle where we get to just drop what we're going through in this space. Also a nutrition space where I give advice on how to eat to just maintain your health and your vaginal health. And um, 
my my cowgirls also get discounts on my in-person events and other classes that i teach on my other platforms so there's so many benefits to being a member of the cowgirl workout highly suggest that you come and you join the tribe because it's absolutely amazing and then for all of you in london who want to sign up for the class in person just get ready because once i drop the dates like i know stuff is just gonna fly like pancakes like just make sure you're ready to drop your coins so you can get your ticket and you'll be in the building and if the first one sells out quick then i will probably yeah. book like a second class so i like to keep my classes between like 25 to 30 people no, that's max. huge max huge <laughs> wow so tell yeah. me about you tell me about your socials tell me about your youtube channel would you ever write a book Yes, I'm actually writing. I'm working on my first book, which is a quick guide to learn how to ride. Because even though there's like these classes popping up with like, you know, dick riding, there's still no curriculum, like no physical book that's teaching it. And so I'm going to write that. And um, there's a few other books that I plan on writing just around like being confident. Like as a person who's like grew up Christian, I noticed that a lot of Christians don't have a good command over their sexuality and the power so, dynamics as well like there's so many things around that yeah yes so writing writing a book for church girls who want to be freaks too like that's going to be <laughs> a book that i'm going to write and then eventually an anthology of just all of my sexual experiences so like a form of erotica um so that's going to be great and then i'm also working on launching my streaming platform which is going to uh primarily center around black sexuality, sexuality for brown people. It's going to be amazing. Um, and my YouTube channel. So I'm, I'm going to be returning to YouTube to do live. The comeback. Um, She's going to yeah. do the comeback. Yeah. Because like, it was kind of scary. Like YouTube at one point was taking everybody's pages down who like work in like the sex field. So I just let my, my page cool off. I was like, you so smart. Yes, I'm going to ride it out. Um, so going to be back there doing live broadcasts and also putting up more tutorials. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Again, that, that channel is Glamorotica 101. And then my blog site is Glamorotica101.com. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Real Glamazon Tayomi and on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Glamazon Tayomi. And um, I think my Snapchat is real Glamazon Ty, so T Y. Um, and I'm not really big on TikTok, but I do have a TikTok channel, <laughs> and that's Glamazon Tayomi as well. I love it, Tayomi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And girl, I want to see that comeback on YouTube. And just for so many things you have going on, like the book launch and going on tour for next year. Like, girl, you are busy. So thank you so much for holding space and taking the time to come on Gen Search and for the work that you do. Like, without without shining bright, without anyone bringing you down. Because in the world we live in, society is just trying to throw everything at us and trying to hush us down as females so by you being that light by you paving that way you're allowing more girls to come out of their shell to be confident to rise yes. to heal so we need more females like you so thank you my pleasure thank you for having me on the show you're very welcome